0: Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's More Lover Podcast. The only rugby podcast is all the news, views and videos on rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Facebook, we are More Lover Rugby Podcast. We are at More Lover Podcast on Twitter. Um, all of our content is available on Anchor as well as Apple Pods and all the other usual podcatchers, but you'll know that if you're listening to us by now. Um, I'm joined this evening by Ben, our resident... Uh, could have liked our stats man, our man who likes to remain entirely reasonable at all times. Good evening Ben.
2: Good evening Russ. He said Uh, neutrally.
0: He said neutrally. Um, I'm also joined by uh, the eye candy, officially, housewife's favourite, Phil Elkins, at Phil Farm Vet, who's no longer a farm vet. How you doing mate?
1: Yeah I'm good, yeah I'm good. I'm I'm glad that it's now been made official. I thought it was all unofficial and Hearsay before. What's that? Uh, that I'm
0: the eye candy of the pod. I, I think I think it was it's relatively official. Um I'm Russ Milsom. I tried to steer this ship in a fairly uh competent direction and I constantly failed to achieve that. So uh good luck listening to this. Um we are some West Country rugby fans who like chatting about the game and all things uh that are connected with it. We are missing one guy, the lensman, the uh what what could we describe Doug as? What does what does Doug offer? He's
1: an angry little man, resident curmudgeon.
0: <laughs> the resident, yes, resident curmudgeon, Doug, who is currently in Japan. For those who haven't listened, uh, he is a, uh, a sports videographer, and he will um, he's been provided updates from Japan and uh, all that goes along with it.
2: Any any truth in the rumor that he's um, paid to go out on a whaling trip? <laughs>
0: I think that's I think that's just one of the stag dudes he's been on. <laughs> but he survived um he survived uh typhoon hagibis or whatever it was called. Um he just stood under somebody else's umbrella, I think. Just hid under a leaf somewhere.
1: Used but. a small child as an umbrella.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Um yeah, so um first proper podcast, I guess. Back for the new season, now the Premiership started as well. We're going to start being a little bit more regular, which uh, you'll be pleased to know, those of you that actually listen to us. Um, this week obviously sort of the Premiership season and some amazing games uh, occurred. But we'll start this week by kicking off with the World Cup. Um, and no better place to start than England destroying the Australians yet again, Ben.
2: Yeah. What's that? Six or seven times in a row now, isn't it?
0: Seven now because yeah. it was uh, it was six pre this one with the last time they beat us being World Cup in 2015,
2: which was a great day, wasn't it? Um... <laughs> yeah. Well, I I must admit I, I I was pretty confident going into that match, the 2019 one, not the 2015 one, um, but I didn't think we'd um, we'd win by that much. I thought that was a Great result, really, um, and, and a really good performance. Uh, you just got to say England got it right and Australia got it really wrong.
0: They did. Um, I mean, England, England's performance was... I think, it was almost the epitome of professional, wasn't it? They soaked up pressure. They defended well. Yes, they conceded um, some points, which is always going to happen against good sides in international rugby. Um, and it was, it was close for a while. But there were a couple of sort of pivotal moments of the game that that really sort of swung in England's favour. And I thought that those those important moments, the best sides obviously deal with them in the best way. I mean, if you think towards the end of the first half, we'll talk about the England in the England tries in a second, but that period of play for the last five minutes of the half where Australia were literally banging down the door. And I think I tweeted at one point that England... It would be really good for England to get away with only conceding a penalty here and going in with three points. And that's exactly what happened. And their defence, I thought their defence all the way through was was really good.
2: Yeah, there was a few line breaks, I think, but that's always going to happen against Australia. I think the other key moment because they
0: refused to kick the ball. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I think the other key moment was after that Australian try, which was brilliant um we'll probably talk about that a bit later on because it was one of the few concerns of the game sort of came from that but um england kind of i thought it was quite saracens like they just hit straight back they didn't panic and they hit straight back with a try um you know it was it was and it was a really good try as well but it was very calmly done there was no panic and then from there the 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 result really wasn't in question and and australia seemed to get more and more desperate But I think. I think it comes from a bit of a misreading of England. I think the Australians like to think that they, you know, they're the guys that do the, um, you know, the the real attacking rugby, the 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 fun rugby, and 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 England are sort of one-dimensional, very and very boring. But I think they they almost took that to heart and decided, you know, like you would with under twelves. If your under twelves are a lot quicker than the opposition, you just oh, we'll just chuck it about everywhere and run them off the park. But that isn't ever going to happen in an international game, and um, they they just were asking for trouble, sort of running from their own twenty-two, and, and England just pinned them back and waited for mistakes.
1: in Phil. Uh, I was going to say, but it was very much a case of just chuck it about. There was no, there was no finesse about it. Um, they seemed to like using Kurevi and Corobetti as as hard runners, and everything else was just let's chuck the ball wide as quick as we can. There was no. There's no interplay, there was no committing people, and it became pretty easy to defend against. Yeah. That having been said, they did defend like defend excellently on the whole England did. If if you look at the bulk
0: meters made in the first half, when Australia actually did make those line breaks, invariably they came from Pretty broken field when England made mistakes. I mean, Henry Slade had a couple of sort of handling errors where he was trying to ship the ball on before he'd had any control of it, like the little tap tap on. And you know, I think it was twice that that they managed to recover the ball, and then Beale stepped through and um and ran through, and I think Corabetti did it as well in the first half. And you know, uh, their their game plan, like you say, Fell off throwing it
1: around really, really lack structure. Yeah. And Henry Slade looked short at match time. That's he he didn't have his anywhere near his best game in an England shirt. Um I think he got better as the game went on, but that's easy to do when you're in a side that's scoring more points as the game goes on. Um but his he he didn't look sharp um and was responsible for a couple of those those occasions. But um we we called it probably two years ago, um, and if we didn't, I'm going to claim we did anyway. About having a back row of Underhill and Curry, and ha- and how good they would look, and they were immense. Well, the the
0: battle was billed as is Pooper against um, Cunderhill. <laughs> which I quite, I quite like Cundahill. Um but uh, Curry and Underhill wiped the floor of them, as far as I'm concerned. Did
2: Did you see that photo they had taken with? Pocock in the um, changing rooms afterwards no you
1: know,
2: it, I think Pocock has lost a little bit of bulk looking at him but they both dwarfed him mm. and, really? and yeah well, and, and you you kind of look at them as some of you know smaller back row players but there's the size to even those two and and they they were both brilliant on the day I thought
1: yeah and I think um You you can bill it as a battle between two players, but ultimately it is a fifteen man game and what made um what made Pooper look not as good as we know they can be was the fact that that entire England pack, in fact, probably out kind of twelve out of the fifteen players for England, as soon as there was a breakdown, they were committing themselves and committing themselves hard. In fact, thirteen because Johnny May did it a couple of times. As yeah, well. it didn't matter where it was. You saw Manu Tuilangi going being the first man over and smashing Hooper off the ball. And I don't think you quite saw that level of commitment from the Australian, the entire Australian team.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think the the two flankers and the two props got a lot of the sort of credit after the game, and rightly so because you know Mako put in an incredible shift for a, for a guy that's hardly played, and and he looked it at the end. Um, but Atoje was brilliant. I thought he he basically sort of ruled the breakdown.
0: It's interesting you say that because all of the you know you look at say experts in the commas and people that have um, that do the player ratings and all that sort of stuff, and they didn't um, they didn't rate Atoje's performance. A lot of them have given him like a six point five, and I'm like brilliant. the fact the fact that he was anonymous, like maybe in a carrying. Perspective and in a flashy perspective, but it's because of, for me, all of the hard work and graft yeah, he was I mean, doing at yeah. that
1: breakdown. And I it mean, was, there was... and it was tactics. Yeah, that's that's the game they set out. You play. I know we've had multiple chats about Ford versus Farrell versus Farrell and Ford. If you play Farrell at ten, if you played the kind of lineup that they were playing, it was it was about playing a tight, hard game. Yeah. And as a result, of is doing donkey work rather than glory work.
2: And, and the second try was, was directly off him nausing at the nine, and he, he slowed their ball down to the point where the, the England line speed put too much pressure on the Australians, so the ball went loose. And yeah, to be fair, Slade and May still had a lot to do, but that that's why they had that. The ball.
0: That was class from Slade. Absolutely yeah. class. And Yeah. For, for all of the, you know, for the, the couple of mistakes that he made, and Phil, you're right, he did look short of match fitness. Had England have been playing Ford, Farrell, to a Tuolaghi would not, at 13, may have made the interception, but would not have done what Henry Slade did did in that in that situation, which was nigh, knocking a nigh-on-perfect grubber for Johnny May to, to run straight onto.
2: Yeah, um, look- yeah, well, I think Phil's exactly right. He got better as he went along. The first probably 15 minutes he did look a bit rusty. But, you know, after that
1: but he know, does he does anything other good. than kick that ball. It's not a try.
2: No. Uh, absolutely.
1: If he if he passes that, May gets tackled. It it's it was his only option, but most players wouldn't spot that option as being an option
0: or execute it in a way that he executed it because it yeah. was nigh on yeah. perfect.
2: It was it was it was the execution, wasn't it? And and you know May gave him a real big shout as well, which which obviously helped. But yeah, brilliant play, piece of play. Um, yeah, I mean the first try was was a real good try as well, wasn't it? You know, a couple of carries from Tuolani, a couple from Billy um, Watson made a bit of ground, and then right over in the corner. So two good tries. We're off to a great start, and,
0: and it was from, patient. It was patient, wasn't it? And yeah. An England sides of the past of have often messed up those sorts of opportunities by being over eager and they worked that that line really well and again it was Slade who had a he got chopped down but was it the hooker and they went through a couple of phases went back the other way and then got themselves in I said somebody who I thought had a great game um and he gave I thought he gave um Corabetti a real tough time in defense was Anthony Watson
2: yeah yeah
0: he was superb,
2: he just glides over ground, doesn't he? Yeah. like he's not as fast as may, I don't think, but
0: he's I think more he... elusive,
2: yeah, I think slippery,
0: slippery
1: I think he also I think he's probably got a quicker and longer first couple of strides yeah like mays may's a total flyer, but may. Kind of, he, he runs on, he's best when he's running onto the ball at speed. Watson quite often gets the ball static.
2: And then and goes, within yeah. two
1: strides, he's gone five meters.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's that quick feet, isn't it? It's the off the mark burst of speed. Whereas Johnny May is like a, a thoroughbred, isn't he? He just happens and he just goes. Yeah. Um, so England went in uh, up, I think it was 17 9 half time, I'm pretty sure uh corabetti comes out scores what actually you gotta hats off it was a it was a wonderful tribe of australia that, mm-hmm. that corabetti scored um question marks over elliot daly ben as a fullback are you yeah. uh are you you're you're not particularly having elliot daly anyway are you well
2: well i think he's played really well in this tournament um and he certainly adds something now if anyone's going to pick him off it's new zealand for for a fact um i thought in in this game he he certainly let, looked less secure than he had done and and to be fair it's the first time we've played a real decent side um i think the Aussies has got the ball from a, a mistake that he made where um where he lost the ball um and then i thought he probably should have shown shown the winger back inside rather than letting him take him on the outside um Maybe that was just Daly's fairly, fairly quick. So perhaps he thought he had the pace on him and and it turned out he didn't. Whereas a sort of tortoise like me would definitely have put him, pointed him back inside. Get get in front of him and try
1: and get him to trip over you. Yeah, Yeah,
2: exactly. But, you know, there were players coming across. So if if you'd have forced him back inside, whether that's a lack of experience or just the fact that he's slightly quick, you know, quicker type of player, slightly quicker. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I did um, think
1: there was a it was a couple of occasions with Daly where he made his life more difficult than it should have been with positioning in the yeah. backfield. So if yeah, kick he, came he, through and you're thinking fullback should be either there to take it on the full or definitely covering that kind of zone and he's kind of ten yards away from where he should be and either letting it bounce or struggling to get there. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, I, I I totally agree. I, I don't think they'll make any kind of change now. I think, you know, it, it, it'd it be crazy to do so unless they possibly brought in a kind of more of a sharing kind of role with Watson. Um, but, you know, I, I've seen online people sort of saying about bringing Noel in. Well, great as Noel looked in the 20 minutes he's had, you know, he hasn't played since uh, the, the the final, you know, the, the premiership final. Um and I, I think you just got to really say with Daly now, you know, let's go with it. He's looked good in the tournament. We've got the long kicking option, and and he does make, you know, he does make make scores for people. So um, that's our bed now. Let's lie in it. And and you know, if it doesn't work, then well, we'll look at it again after the after the tournament finishes.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I think. Um we'll obviously get onto it at some point, but it's probably an appropriate time. If you're looking at a team for next week, you certainly don't change the back three. You don't change the, the back three of the scrum, if they're all fit. Those those players are pretty much nailed on. Um, you can have question marks over who plays with Itoji, but I'd be quite happy with either Laws or Cruz. I don't think it makes much of a difference. Front row, I think Mako... Definitely has to start. I think, rightly or wrongly, Jamie George is going to start. Personally, I prefer seeing Sinclair there than Dan Cole. Um, and then so, it comes back to the perpetual question of what do you do in the midfield? What do you do with Ford and Farrell?
0: So here we go. I, I mean, I was going to come on to this after afterwards, but since you have taking us there, let's let's go there now. Um, it's horses for courses, isn't it? In yeah. in my opinion, I don't care. And Eddie Jones hit the nail on the head in um, in the press conference where they were saying, you know, they said, oh, you, you dropped George Ford. And he was like, "Now, mate, now, mate. Uh, now, mate, uh, we just changed his role. And that's what he's done. He's just changed him to coming off the bench. Rugby's a squad game. It's a, a 23-man game. And the people that are on the bench, uh, as Marla and Dan Cole did on Saturday and the shift that, that Vunipola and Sinclair put in was great. Right. And they both played really well. What was arguably as important was the impact that Cole and Marla had when they come on. And that makes me feel a little bit sick about both of those guys. Cause I felt like, <laughs> cause I felt yeah. like they had, they've had their chances, but you cannot argue that the the replacement Australians and and that little back and forth between Scott Seo and, and Kyle Sinclair with the tap on the head and all that sort of stuff, you know, they bought that penalty in the first half from Sinclair because he was dropping his bind, he was he was letting go, and then all of a sudden Sinclair so does said, something, it's in the referee's head, and he was so hoping he watched wrong him. Call. Yeah, but he was hold. he was, CO was put, he was going in quick and then he was holding back. So it looked like Sinclair was,
1: was boring in. I'm not a front was, row X rope. And bro, he was hinging as well. Yeah. As um, soon as the hit was coming, he was hinging at his waist. Did
2: you see a, did you see a ToJ just, just split them up as well? Yeah. <laughs> Straight away, like, no, Kyle, move away. Um, yeah. I thought Ford played really well when he came on as well. Um, I think. By the time he came on, they started to get, use the mall very well to gain points. I think we got three, two or three penalties from malls, and, and they would, they just started to kick to turn Beale a little bit more. Um, they gave Beale a little bit of room to run in the first hour or so, but for the last section of the game, they, they got the ball behind him into the corners and gave him nowhere to go, and I think the frustration probably led to Watson's try from the intercept. Um, so when...
1: When, after about 10 minutes of Ford being on, I thought I was going to come on today and say, as much as England want it, I think Ford's probably a better fly half than, than Farrell. But then, having had 48 hours to look back on it, you come back to the same old thing that he's playing against tired players. He's he's running the game and, ugh, you know what? Eddie can make those calls and I'm not going to argue with him either way. You could see how, because Ford... Ran that game superbly, saw it out superbly for the last, what was it twenty five minutes? Um, he was he was excellent. I'd say that's the best I've seen him play in an England shirt, probably. Yeah. This but, is a uh, he's come is... off the bench against tired players, and
0: you. Yeah, well, Danny Danny Care almost made an England career out of that, didn't he? But
2: this is, and, this is... And, and
0: that's entirely unfair on Danny Care. I I, <laughs> I, I I appreciate that, but. It's a right. It's a specific role of a, a, a player of that nature coming on against a tired, bigger defense. It's always going to have a big impact.
2: Well, it's it's quite like the, um, the situation. What was it? 16 years ago with. Cat um, and Tindall, you know, yeah. you, you they were always going to play Greenwood, um, but depending on the opposition, they they did start chopping and changing in the, in the last three games, you know, if, if they needed a bit more control, Kat came in, but if they wanted to run down people's throats, then it was, it was Tindall. And, um, you know, he's now got that option. I I agree with Phil. I, I'd, I'd be happy with either right now. So yeah,
0: exa- exactly. Yeah. And so, and so with that in mind, then I don't think it matters if we were going to predict what Eddie's going to do this weekend and looking at that all black midfield, I would suggest that he is going to go Ford Farrell to a laggy That's what I think he'll do.
2: I think that's my gut feeling as well.
0: Because they haven't got all they have. They have obviously with with Sonny Bill, but you look at Crotty, Linnet Brown, you know whoever they decide mm-hmm. to play in that in in that midfield, Ford Farrell to a laggy they're Defensively, not Sammy they're not Samu Karevi. right? And you know they don't play the game like Samu Karevi. So that would make me think Eddie, Eddie thinks his strongest sort of pairing is Ford Farrell with probably two a laggy, maybe Joseph on the bench to cover wing um, in the 23
1: shirt, or maybe Noel, who knows? But
0: I think he might go five, three split. You reckon? I think it'll be a six, two.
1: I think he but... might play five, three and have Jack on as that extra player. It's, and there's the um, Joseph or Slade to cover inside.
2: I th- I think with um, we might talk about this in a minute, but there's no doubt whatsoever. You've got to beat New Zealand up front. Um, so I think he might go six two, five, yeah. So six two.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, but again, it's a it's it's a one off game, and to be honest, we can sit here. And and make a lot of sort of judgments, but it's going to be down to putting in a, an absolute performance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: And, and yeah, you know, if you're going to win the world cup, you've got to beat the best team. And if that's in the semi final or the final, then so be it. Um, okay. So uh, any more for any more about
1: the England performance at the weekend? Um, I don't. I don't think so, really. I feel like there should be more, but I suppose all you can say is that they they played really well as a team and they kind of kind of got everything right. I suppose I would. I'd rather see um, Genj on the bench than uh, than Marla. Yeah. Um, but well, the thing only because right. I think Marla's only because I think Marla's kind of stained his copybook as far as I'm concerned with all the crap that went on earlier.
0: Yeah, I, I get that, um, but I, uh, I think in a World Cup semi-final, do you want someone with the experience of Joe Mala coming off the bench, or, or do you want rhino. or a baby or a baby rhino? And you know,
1: I hands on the score. That's that's I exactly that's it. The
2: answer. I, I, I get the feeling he was pretty convinced he was going to be ahead, and and just wanted some steady hands to to for the you know to keep the ships. Uh, you know, on an even keel, um, whether against New Zealand, he might gamble a little bit more, nice. yeah. you know, Cole's going to be the, the, the tight head because he's the only spare. Um, so maybe yeah. you do just, just go for it and put Genge on the bench. And and if, if it, if you do need to keep it steady, you might just have to stick with Mac, Macco, you know, I mean, the guy looked like he'd been through a tumble dryer by the time he came off, but you know, he would he would do an eighty, I'm sure he would. But yeah. um, you know, that, that's one place they could gamble. Um you know, they you know, like you say, maybe go with an extra back just in case that they need to chase the game. Someone like Noel or um you know, I don't think McConaughey's gonna get in there now, but you know, no. just to just to mix it up a little bit. Um but it's minor tinkering, isn't it? He's got to the point now where he's got a good team. I think the All Blacks will they when they play a good England side, it's always a tight game. You know, there's there's been some assings from the All Blacks in the past, but that's been England have been at a low ebb, and I think they're on a, a, a fairly you know high point at the moment. So I think New Zealand will know it's gonna be a, a tough game, probably you know, two scores or less, I would say. Whichever way it goes. And, and I think England have got a chance of winning. I, I don't think it's a 50 50. I'd make New Zealand favourites, but, you know, it's all to play for.
0: 60 40?
2: I, I think if, New, if England played New Zealand 10 times, they'd win three.
0: 70 30 then?
2: Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> you say 70 30, I say. Seven out of ten,
1: ten. to three. Yeah. <laughs> three, three. Three out of ten. But, uh, I, what are you picking on between the sides? Because ultimately, this England team hasn't played that New Zealand team. Uh, where, where are New Zealand better than what England are giving them at the moment? I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying that having watched the games, I'm struggling to go... That's loads better than what England can do. The offloading game, they're better. Um, I, I, I don't still... think they're any better at rucking. I don't think they're any better at attacking organisation. Don't think they're any better at defensive organisation. Now that we've actually got some open side flankers playing rugby,
2: I still think they're better at thinking on their feet. I, I, I think that.
1: But Austra- if you go Australia,
2: just did. They just kept pl- they kept plugging away yeah. with the set, if you can call it a game plan they went with their game plan whereas but,
1: but if you I, look at the games that New Zealand have lost this year and I did watch them unlike some of the games that they've won <laughs> they didn't change their game plan they were behind and they they kept playing the same way th- because they had faith in that way of play so I'm not sure they're they're that um, versatile don't get me wrong I think they're bloody good but equally, I think this England team's bloody good. And I think Eddie Jones is a clever man and he'll know New Zealand score tries when you kick the ball and they return it. And they score tries when you let them get penalties so that they can kick close to, to the line. And they score tries in the last 10 minutes of the first half. So you can guarantee his game plan will be, we keep the ball from 30 to 40. If you kick him from inside the 22, it goes dead. Yeah. Or it goes that's, that's properly to space as in two, three bounces and give yourself time to to get there and we don't give away penalties. Now, whether the players can deliver on that or not is a different matter. Yeah, true, true. Um, well,
0: speaking of New Zealand then, obviously they uh, put Ireland to the sword um, after the England game on on Saturday. Um, ben, in your opinion, were... New Zealand that good or were Ireland that bad?
2: Uh, both, I think. I mean, I think this again is another sort of slight misreading of the way teams play. I think there's still this sort of lazy sort of stereotype that New Zealand throw the ball around constantly, which which they certainly don't. And they they physically battered Ireland, and then then they started scoring tries. You know, it was. They won, I'd say, nine out of ten collisions in that game. They were just knocking them backwards. You know, Ireland have got some big ball carriers and they just couldn't make any ground whatsoever. Um, and New Zealand, you know, they, they played out of their skins. Kieran Reid, that's the best he's played in years, probably. Um, Goodhue's a really good player.
0: Um, he's, got, he's got one of the worst leads, though, in the world. He rugby. has,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he makes the right decision every time, apart from when he steps through a barber's shop door. (laughs) Sounds like he should get to Exeter. Yeah. um, But, you know, I mean, uh, he produced a little pass that ran into the second, you know, that in the run up to the second try, it was just you know, perfect. Um, But, you know, Ireland were just, I don't know if they got a bit shell-shocked, but I mean, you've got to remember that Japan are a great side, but they beat Ireland hollow, you know, they, they completely ran them off the park. And so it, perhaps this Ireland side isn't as good as, as, as it was a couple of years ago. Well, it definitely isn't. But, you know, it maybe the All Blacks performance needs to be put in a slight bit of perspective. But it's a physical Ireland side and it's, a, it's got some really good players in it. And they battered them completely. By the end of it, you know, Ireland kicked badly, which they hardly ever do. There was dick fingers everywhere. They are just dropping the ball. And and by the second half, even their line speed was slow. Um, so I, th- I just think they they didn't turn up. And whether that was just because they just got absolutely panelled in the first 15 minutes. Aaron Smith was so quick, uh, so good today. I mean, if, if we're still saying Faf's better than him, we shouldn't be.
1: That's the third uh,
2: best runner from that South African squad. Uh, yeah, he, play, he played really well yesterday, to be fair to him. But, you know, Aaron, Aaron Smith's brilliant. Um,
0: England need to find a way to slow down that ball, don't they?
2: Yeah, they do. And 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 New Zealand will be looking to do the same because England looks so much better with quick ball. Um, you know, Reid Reed picked a real good line um, for Taylor, Cody Taylor's try. It was like a perfect line. He delayed it and then... Produced an offload as well, and the hooker just went straight under the post. It was, you know, classic read, you know. And
1: he did you know, three or four offloads in the yeah. in the first half. And I reckon somebody had gone up to him. I do it with the uh, with the under elevens before a game and pick their weaknesses and say, "I want you to do three tackles below the waist today." <laughs> I reckon I reckon somebody's gone up to him, and gone. You need to do five offloads today, and it's the first thing in his head is. How can I offload it? Um, Can I very quickly jump back to the England game? Yeah, go on. I just remembered something. We've been relatively critical of Ben Young's at times. He had his best game in a long time. His kicking was good. He was sharp around the base and he was sharp looking for holes to run through as well, which I haven't seen since, well, probably 10 years. But um, Yeah. I don't think this Ireland team has been right for probably six to eight months and they've been able to paper over the cracks because Sexton's been playing really well um, and Murray is class. But I think what's happened is those two have kind of gone off the boil a bit as well and and everything's run off them. We've said it multiple times. It's one of Doug's favourite things to say is what is their plan B for when Sexton isn't firing? And he hasn't looked right all World Cup. Um, I think there's something has got into his um, into his head a bit because he he's not managing the games the way that he was. I don't think he's been allowed to because
0: uh, you you mentioned Sexton not being right. I think it goes deep. I think it's one one in from there. I think it's I think it's, co- I think it's Murray.
1: Yeah, but I suppose we've seen games when Murray's not been not been on it, and Sexton has been that good a player that he's been able to. Make real quality snap decisions. I don't. I don't think either of them are where they were a year ago, and that was worse than where they were two years ago.
2: But yeah, and and but it's it's also the pack isn't gaining the ground like it was, well, and they're not clearing right. the ball out like they were. It's it's all it's and it's well, probably a circle. It's all feeding off what, each other.
1: What happened in Chicago? You see, tug Furlong bouncing off three keys. Mm. What happened on Saturday? He got absolutely pulverized every time he got the ball. It's yeah. yeah maybe it's something inherently deeper within that squad that that isn't quite right yeah either interesting way, i mean either way uh, what is and... their record in knockout games
0: <laughs> yeah um it's interesting isn't it
2: well, it's um, their equal best world cup of all time isn't it yeah,
0: yeah well there there's been a lot made of that on uh, on twitter and the surrounding areas um yeah it's, it's interesting, isn't
2: it? Well, they're going to be a really different side, though, aren't they? Because, you know, that was best last game. Um, you know, it, it's a sad way for a player like that to go out. But I think m- most sportsmen tend to go out on a bit of a low, don't they? There's it, very few that get to go out winning a World Cup. Um, and and it, it is a, you know, Murray and Sexton have been around a long time carney's been around even longer so there are going to be a few changes coming through i heard today conan's out for six weeks uh six months wow um so they're gonna to have to shake up the back row um well, it's gonna be was, it's
0: gonna be interesting when farrell comes in anyway isn't it i mean he's there already but when he's the one calling the shots it's he's you'd think he's he's gonna try and put his own stamp on things
2: well funnily enough the um talking of Farrell's Farrell, the center, he looked good in the games that he played. So, you know, do you bring him in? Um, will they have a, a change at 10? I, I I doubt it, but it depends how long Sexton wants to go on. It's it's an interesting one. Um, it's, it was a shame as well, because the pre-match was so good. You had the, the hacker and the Irish crowd singing and, you know, some, some of the Irish players really looked up for it. And it just never happened. And even when they got a bit of play together, they gave away penalties. So
0: it's a shame. It's a real shame. I'm crying inside. (laughs) Um, It's a shame Doug isn't here because it might be that he's, uh, he would be crowing a little bit, but you know, know, it was almost a perfect rugby weekend for Doug, but we'll come on to that. Um, We'll come on to that in a minute. Um, Let's, let's have a chat about Wales, Wales versus France um for a long period of time in this game i i genuinely thought that wales were in trouble and they weren't going to do it and it was going to be such a typically french thing to do to labor all the way through a world cup and then uh, yeah reach a semi final out of nowhere
1: but uh, they were in trouble the scoreline says they're in trouble the way it was, they were playing says they were in trouble yeah um but yeah was it the turning point, the red card, or had, had the tide already turned when they went in for half-time? I think...
0: I mean, I don't think the tide had turned when when they went in for half-time. Absolutely absolutely not. I mean, the the Vakatawa try to to get France up to... Um, excuse me, up to 19-10, um, up at half-time. I thought France looked... You know, I thought they looked comfortable, almost. I mean, if you think that Wainwright try was a was a burst wasn't it it just sort of came from nowhere um you know that penalty miss from antomac just before half time as well and then he went off at half time um injured france france they weren't cruising and if you remember where was it was it at the oh, i would have been it would have been at the millennium stadium wasn't it earlier this season in the six nations where france scored a couple of early tries and Wales sort of edged back at them, and and they th- literally threw it away with uh, Wales' sports personality of the year, Vermahina, um, who threw that interception in uh, in Cardiff in February, and then got himself sent off for uh, what is you know Ben, you nailed it earlier um, when you said probably one of the stupidest things I've seen on a rugby field for for quite some time.
2: Yeah, it was crazy. I, I think. France wouldn't have been uh, confident of winning, I don't think, just because they've been so bad for so long. But they were the better side at that point. Um, they'd just kicked to the corner um, and given away a penalty from an attacking mall. And, and as soon as you saw it, it was like, well, that was, that was a red, 25 years ago it was a red 50 years ago it was it was absolute madness it you know if it was if a red
1: had, and getting pummeled 50 yeah, years ago
2: i mean it, it was such a red have you, have you seen the film escape to victory
0: <laughs> yeah so if that with, had been a, hold on, with bobby moore and Pele and Ozzy idealis and russell Osman. I've always remembered that because when I was growing up, Russell Osman was the uh, he used to play for Bristol City, he was a Bristol City manager, and uh, yeah, he it was just random how all these like absolute world greats of football were were in this film. and Russell Osman.
2: just it was um, it was because they all played for Ipswich because John, John it, Walk, John Walk, what... yeah, he yeah. was, yeah. I'm not, they, sure they Pelé, I'm, not, I'm
0: not sure Pele played for Ipswich,
2: <laughs> no, he did Well, not that we know of anyway, we're a rugby podcast, but. Um, but, yeah, you, you know the match at the end? Yeah. If that had been a rugby match and one of the Germans had done that in it, the SS guy refereeing the match would still have sent him off. <laughs> it was just madness. And, you know, he, he's let he's just let the whole team down. And was it, you know, Al, Al, Alfie Thomas said at the end of the game, like, he's apologising as he goes off. And he, he said... If it was me, I wouldn't want him to apologise. I just want him to walk off and get out of my sight. Just go away, mate. It it was... it was, You know, it was pretty premeditated as well. He took a good look at him. Then he made sure he wasn't looking at him, almost to get away with it. Yeah. Um, and went for it. And, you know, he, he was just going to have to go, whatever it was. And he just let his team down. And then, of course, they had an attacking uh, scrum where they forgot to put a number eight in. I mean, how French is that? And... <laughs> And that was with Pickamol was in the second row. You think he'd have he'd have gone? Do, do you know what lads? Just get one of the flankers in here, and I'll go at eight. Um, yeah, anybody? Wales's try came off a seven-man scrum that got broken up. So you know he, he, he sort of indirectly and directly cost his team the game there. And he's retired, isn't he?
0: Yeah, on his birthday, twenty-eight and yeah. um, twenty-eight and out. Um, you could argue he probably wouldn't have been picked again That's um, um, by, by any French manager.
2: That's his score in Scrabble as well, isn't it?
0: <laughs> very, very good. I do, especially on a if you got it on a double word score. I'm sure yeah. you'd. Uh, there's lots of vowels in there there as well in there. So, um, what do you make of Wales? I mean, if you think about a semi final that's coming up, could you think? You know, if you're England or New Zealand, you'd want a Wales South Africa semi final, wouldn't you? Because they are literally just going to beat each other to pieces. Because that's the way both teams play.
1: Well, um, there'd be an argument that says that if you're England or New Zealand, you want a New Zealand-South Africa semi-final. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, they're incredibly physical uh, physical up front. Um, I think South Africa have got a few more options in terms of how they want to play the game Back row and back play wise, whether they just play physical rugby or whether they play something that's got a bit more um, finesse around it. I think Wales play the way Wales play, and it's been incredibly successful in the last 12 months or so. I,
2: I think Wales really missed Jonathan Davis. I mean, Vacca Tower wasn't always running through that channel, but that was, you know, the centres weren't as defensively sound as, as they normally are. Absolutely. I didn't think, didn't think Parks had his best game. Um, well, I think
0: Park Parks has played his best rugby with Davis, yeah. And, and, and then you make that last minute change; it's bound to unset. It's bound to unsettle the team.
2: Um, but but Wales weren't as organised as normal, and, and they they got overpowered at times. Um, and and their their rucks really didn't go well. They they weren't protecting the ball very well, and they it was a bit of a mess. Um, you know the the two back. You know the two flankers in the back row. You know individually played really well, um, but. Just the organisation didn't seem to be there quite as much as usual. I think Navidi's been a great player, and it, it, it's it's um, it's it's very unfortunate to him that he's out of the tournament. But I do wonder against South Africa if um,
0: Moriarty would have been Moriarty a better bet anyway. Might
2: be the 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 kind of eight they need. Um, yeah. But then you know you don't have the option of moving Navidi into the you know six or seven if you wanted to. But th- these two have played really well, so whether you would do that or not, so it perhaps saves um, Gatlin the decision. You see that um, they've,
0: they've not. He's a good winger. They've replaced him with a. Is he an uncapped winger? I don't know. I, I, I don't even really recognise his name. He plays for Cardiff. Um, Lane, and, isn't it? Yeah, Lane, yeah, Lane.
1: Um, I'll, I'll have a look quickly. But while I do, having said that Wales have, have been very successful in the last 12 months, they've probably had half a dozen shit halves of rugby when they've been really outplayed. Um, the first half of this game, probably a couple of halves against England, first half again against France in, in Six Nations. They've, yeah. Um, he made his test debut in, in the warm up defeat to Ireland. Yes. Um, so either it clicks in the semi-final and they have a full game and, and I think we have a close game I don't think if they have a half like they did against France or the other five times this year against South Africa they're going to come back from it
2: I, I think with Wales is they, they can get away with the odd bad half because their defence is so um, watertight usually and in this game it they wobbled more because their defence wasn't up to its normal standard. Yeah. Um, and you know they've got bigger. Who keeps the scoreline ticking over? Yeah. I, I think you could put put some decent money on um, some drop goals in this semi final.
0: Yeah. Um, I w- I worry about Wales's ability to score to score tries against the, the better teams because if you think you know in a, in a lot of games Wales almost not rely but they utilize that cross kick into the corner for for Adams and North a hell of a lot and um, i think some of the better sides will will just deal with that a lot better because they'll be able to to repel repel the attacks at source
2: how how big's this winger that's just come into the squad i've
1: just gone off that page
2: let's um, just have a look because he looks a he
1: looks a fair unit he does he looks like a flanker
2: I just wonder if that's maybe one reason because you know Colby is not a big guy and if if you've got 6 foot, North, 100 kilos so so he's so he's he's stocky yeah. I mean he's tall enough but he's stocky but you know North is going to tower over Colby and Colby might have his way his way a little bit in attack but if the cross kick comes in
0: Yeah it's the Watson sort of Corabetti Conundrum, isn't it? It's mm. the, you know, it's the big winger versus the the fleet of foot. You know, it's it's what's going to be best. I mean, Josh Adams is 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 a very good winger and a very good finisher. Controversially, right, I'm, I'm going to put this out there. Everyone's literally has been kissing Josh Adams' ass for a long, long time. He is not as good as Johnny May, and they do a very, very similar job.
1: I don't think it's that controversial
0: as far as as far as a winger goes right josh adams he's a great finisher who's in he's like you know like chris ashton who's who's in almost, kind of in the right place at the right time
1: to be the one to dot the ball down so I kind of get what you mean and i don't I don't mean this in its entirety, but I think Josh Adams is like Johnny Mayer four or five years ago in terms of He's got some real assets, but equally, he's got a few things that need tidying up. Defensively, and Johnny I think, Johnny so, Mays I think. Was, Yeah, defensively, it, his positioning on the wing in attack sometimes isn't the best. You see a reasonable number of forward passes to him because he's overrun it slightly, or um, he ends up making catches, either making catches that aren't that clean because he's not quite in the right place, or fumbling the odd ball. Um, and in the same way that Johnny May's worked on his his um, under the high ball and also uh, a more direct running, I think they're all things that Adams can work on. I think he has potential to be great. I'm not sure he's quite there yet. He, he's decent. You wouldn't you wouldn't drop him for anyone if you were if you're a Wales coach. But I don't think he's... Yeah, he's a bit of a show pony, in terms of he does the things that gets noticed pretty well.
0: Yeah, that's 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 fair enough. And you know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, and by no means am I calling him a bad player. Before we get lots of emails and tweets, I just yeah,
2: I, I think, just think
0: I don't think he's I don't think he's as good as everybody says he is.
2: Well, I think what Phil says. I've just looked it up. If if he's Johnny May four years ago, that's probably a fairly. Um, fairly decent compliment because he's five years younger than Johnny May. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there we go. Um, anyone that wants to at us will be beaten by facts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like I, I, when he played for Worcester, he played really well. He's he's done really well for Wales. Um, so, you know, no knocks on the guy, um, but um. North, when he was in form, which is a little while ago, would be a, considered a better player. North didn't really get involved in the game on Sunday morning at all. No. Um, so there's another concern. You've got Liam Williams, who you know has been brilliant for two years now. Um,
0: but I don't, I don't think their their game plan, Wales's game plan, doesn't utilise their back three in the in their sort of in their biggest assets. And well, I think if you no, look at George, but if you look at George North, he should be taking crash balls off the inside of 10, the old Hornets nuts ball, or, <laughs> um, you know, you'd like, you'd like to see George, George yeah. North come in, joining in the midfield a little I mean, bit. And he they, tends they, not to,
2: they used to use him a lot more like that. So, you know, perhaps Sim, change the Simpsons game plan a little to bit. Northampton. Yeah. I mean, let, let's, let's be fair you know they they beat both australia and south africa in in the last 12 months so Mm -hmm. yeah you know so they're perfectly capable of it um I, i actually went you know i was at the ground when they beat south africa and it was really impressive um but it was a typical Wales South Africa game. It was it was brutal and right the...
0: right up your alley. It was probably like a twelve six or something. Right? It was
2: it was something along them lines, yeah. And it's 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 going to be close and it's going to be physical. There's no doubt about it. it. This week, I'm 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 pretty much looking forward to it. Yeah, I I am
0: I am, and I just hope that they kick the shit out of each other as much as it's humanly possible, <laughs> um, so that uh...
2: it might get to Sunday morning and we don't care. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, that's that's true. I, I I would still care because, you know, if England go out, the thought of Wales getting to the final and having a chance of winning the World Cup, and England aren't in the final, would make me physically sick.
2: They'd, they'd never mention it, would they?
0: No, no, they, they wouldn't. Would never bring it up. Mm. Um, considering they were, you know, they were cheated out a few years ago. How
1: many caps has George North got?
0: Quite a few, I'd imagine. I'm sure we can. Uh... Oh, he
2: must be. No, have a guess. Don't look it up. Have a guess. Oh, right, okay. okay. Uh, I reckon he's got S- 80. Yeah,
0: 70, 75. 90. Mm.
1: 93 if you include Lions. How many tries has he got? You're going you're to make me do some backwards maths. 39. Okay. Plus, so two, like... plus two for the Lions. Point,
0: point four tries a game almost. Yeah. Not not quite up to fifty percent. Still a decent return, but you could uh, bet your bet to pound to a pinch of shit that a lot of those tries were were quite early on in his in his international yeah, yeah. career, weren't they? I
2: I do think that is a theme with wingers though. Um, they do seem to score a lot of tries early on, um, and then the defenses start to work them out a little bit. Yeah,
0: well, I suppose. I suppose with other things is Julian Save is um. You know probably not for George North because Gatlin's been there a long time. but for wingers in general, coaches change, game plans change you know what they're being asked to do possibly changes with regards mm-hmm. to getting involved in in other areas of the field or sort of lurking wide or you know whatever it is that their sort of strength where their strengths lie. so it's an interesting one either I way I suspect
1: there's a bit like with um with George North a bit like Tuolangi. I think tuolangi has been excellent.
0: I think, I think, I well to allow, but I think he hasn't
1: manage... done the, he, he, he hasn't got
0: the highlights reel. No, but he also hasn't got the miles in the legs, has he? He's however no, no, managed. In terms is.
1: of, in terms of um, he, he isn't doing he, what he's doing is he's running hard and carrying hard and doing all the really fantastic stuff. He hasn't got the highlights reel because teams are scared of him. So they're, they're doubling up against him at times and, I'm really aware of him. And I suspect if you've got George North out in the wing and you've got Cheslin Colby up against him, your outside centre is probably hanging five yards further out to to cover. Whereas if you've got, I don't know, shit winger, if you've got Austin Healy out in the wing and Cheslin Colby, you trust him to make that tackle.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do. Um, Either way, it's going to be an absolutely well, massive humdinger of a weekend. And I think we're in for, I think we're in for two exceptional, yet very different games of rugby. Uh,
2: One thing I was going to say is in the last World Cup, New Zealand beat France even more soundly than they beat Ireland in the quarterfinals. You know, I think, was it 60 points? It was an absolute ass in. Um, But, when it came to the semi-final, which admittedly was played in a, in a downpour, the game was tight. Uh, it was against a physical team in South Africa. And, you know, it was... Uh, I think there was less than 20 points in the match. So, you know, it's... As good as they were, um, I think the demands of cup rugby will tighten the game up. Um, so I think they'll both be very tight games.
0: Yeah. I thought, but I think... <laughs> Tight, but I think England, New Zealand would will be will be tight but relatively high scoring. I think I think they'll be, you know, a minimum fifteen to twenty points apiece. Whereas Wales, South Africa, I could see being an absolute defence vest with you know with a with a fifteen eight or or something of that nature.
1: Yeah, I think that's was probably fair.
2: Fingers crossed
0: yeah it'd be right over your street um so there we go world cup we're at the semi-final stage it's been good though in general is not it have you enjoyed it yeah
2: yeah i I I love rugby (laughs) i have um the 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 fact that it's in japan is brilliant but it does make catching all the games difficult with having a job and stuff like that but i'm not complaining about that because um you know, it's the same for people the other side of the world when the gate when the matches are over here. But I, I you know, I, I haven't seen as much as I would have maybe liked to in other years. Um, yeah. But what I have seen has been brilliant, and the the atmosphere over there has has looked to be fantastic. You've Think got... of
0: poor old Eddie Ben. Think of poor old Eddie Stevens. He's like ah. he's in, in a completely different universe.
1: Oh, it's like the middle of the morning. He's he's what he's, he's,
0: he's 11
1: o'clock he's, or three o'clock.
2: He's, in the morning.
0: he's almost watching it in a different month,
2: yeah, exactly. You know, he's there amongst what can only be called heathens, you know, so he can't go to the pub and watch it. He's got to just sit in that shed,
0: yeah, or his mobile shed. Hi, Eddie. If you're listening, I hope, <laughs> I hope you do listen. Um, you
2: say you do, but this will be a test. Um, say a code word, he's got. Yeah. He's got to say it on his uh, on his pod, or we know he doesn't listen.
0: On his on his mobile on his on his mobile shed. Yeah,
2: um, yeah.
0: Well, I'll think of something and and maybe slip it in at the end.
1: Um, but no, um, on, on the question is, has it been a good World Cup? I think it's been fantastic. I think it's been great for the international game. As much as when Eddie was on, we said some of the Pacific nations hadn't really stepped up. Um, Fiji then went and did it in their last game. Um, I think some of the tier two nations have shown that they've really improved but from everything that I've seen. Japan have been amazing hosts, so yeah. And we've ended up with a good balance of two Northern Hemisphere, two Southern. And you could the prob- best four teams in the world at the semis.
0: Absolutely, and I yeah. think that's probably the the best thing to say about it is for all that's gone on, the best four teams are the four teams that are left. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Good. Um, before we move away from the World Cup and we start talking a little bit of Premiership, can we talk about this uh, Jacko Piper photograph from today or from yesterday, whenever it was? Um, yeah, the one where he stood with a load of Welsh fans with his elbow out. Why is everyone getting so fucking babyish about it? There's absolutely nothing in it whatsoever yet yeah, there's people calling for world rugby investigations and, and all that. So I just don't understand it.
1: No, it's, it's nonsense. I, I'm yet to see anybody turn out and say they think there's any kind of bias there. Everybody said, oh, I think he's just having a bit of fun, but it's really bad form." Well, get get over it. Like, the fact that he's out sharing a couple of beers with true rugby fans, we should see that as a positive thing. We don't want to end up like it is with football, where it's... Yeah become that that they only ever yeah. go to to the celebrity bars in case there's normal people there like, it's like it's like the whole eddie on the train instant. we should celebrate the fact that he's there irrelevant of what other people did um yeah. just yeah just get over it
2: uh, yeah i think it's a it's a nonsense because it was we've we've discussed it it was the most obvious red card of the world cup it was one of the most obvious red cards of all time, I think. Um, so there's no controversy there. Um, the the try at the end, well, it's, it's been ripped out. It it certainly wasn't forward enough to disallow the try. Uh, mar- certain- it's, a mar-
0: it's a marginal call. Yeah. Sometimes you'll get them, sometimes you won't.
2: And he, he'd be so criticised if he didn't give the try and then it turned out, that it should have been a try, so you know Unlike that's that. a marginal call.
1: And like that nonsense Ben Skeen was coming out with in the England Australia game. Oh my game.
2: goodness me! Ball gets yeah. passed
1: forward five yards and he goes, "Oh, it looks lateral to me."
2: Well, to Twats. fair play to Garces. Garces went. I've yeah. literally just seen it go on the TV. It's gone a mile it's a clear forward pass. What are um, you talking about? So yeah, I think I think to be fair, I think every tweet I've seen about it has been, you know, from anyone um, that I've seen has been. I'll give the guy a break. He's not our favourite referee. He made some mistakes in that game. Um, I think it's nice for him to get out because Mrs. Piper has him under a tight leash normally. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, fair play to him. He, he probably thinks he isn't going to get the final anyway. So,
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, all we can say is stop it, Mrs. Piper. <laughs> hands
2: off. Mrs. Keep Piper. Hands- He's a- Mrs. Piper. Hello. I'm in a bit of trouble. I've uh, I've raised my elbow
0: with some uh, Welsh fans.
2: I was, I was, I've been out drinking again, and uh, uh, my elbow was in the lens area of the camera and made contact with the Welsh fan.
0: And then you've got the Welsh fans going, Hey, Jaco, what's up, bud?
2: Are they Geordies?
0: <laughs> I can't do the Geordie
2: accent. Yeah. Just something just something in Geordie.
0: <laughs> oh, something in Geordie. Um, yeah. Anyway, poor old Jacko. Poor yeah. old Jacko. Never mind. Um right, let's delve into the premiership very quickly, Ben.
2: We've missed a, we've missed the quarter final.
0: Oh yeah, Japan versus South Africa. Well, I thought we we mentioned South Africa briefly. Um let's just say what a thoroughly and utterly dominant second half performance that was
2: it was incredible i mean they sat out their stall didn't they with that selection which was um eight massive units with six more massive units on the bench um and you know japan came out first five minutes they looked like they were trying to just empty their box of tricks uh, and they got themselves in a little bit of trouble. but, but once their offloading got going, it, it was brilliant for a while. And it, 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 in a couple of games, it's almost sort of disoriented the opposition so that they've made really bad choices and tried to join in with it a little bit. And South Africa got a little bit pulled into that. But they were just blitzing the, the Japanese as much as they could, hitting them behind the gain line. And they were also, even when they did offload, they were just burying them with tackles. And they were, it didn't matter if they were a little bit late or, you know, a little bit off the ball. They just kept hitting them and hitting them. And when they got the ball, they were just mauling or just putting DLN Day up the middle. And I think it just knocked the legs out of the Japanese team. I think if they'd have scored when they had that bit of pressure, um, then the game might have been a bit different. But even by uh, about 33, 34 minutes, I, I tweeted that I think the Japanese need half time. Because they were just—I don't think they could quite cope with the physicality of it. it. It was pretty brutal. And then the second half, they just pinned South Africa just pinned them back, didn't they? into was, their twenty-two,
0: it was just like uh, we've talked about the whole sort of boa constrictor. They just didn't allow them any time or space to run. Every time they kicked, I mean, their kicking was impeccable because every time, every time Japan caught it, there was a, a South African there on them straight away. The amount of turnovers they got yeah, through the kick chase and Japan just not being able to get the ball away. It was, it was relentless from South Africa. And <laughs> although they didn't score, you know, they made quite a few mistakes to give the ball back to Japan. Mm. They just didn't let them go anywhere with it. And Japan were trying to run obviously, you know, that where they've been successful is, yeah. is with their attacking game and running from, from all over the pitch. They the, the South African first-up defence was absolutely brutal and they didn't let them go anywhere.
1: So um, when, when Japan played Scotland and absolutely thrashed them, to me it was clearly obvious that against that Japan team, your tactic had to be um, controlling, it had to be control pressure, control territory, control possession, um, but mainly control possession because they have the talent and the pace and the fitness to to probably beat anyone if they get 75, 80% possession, which is what they did when they beat Ireland and what they when they beat Scotland, was they, they kept the ball for immensely long periods. South Africa didn't let them have that level of possession and that was always going to challenge them. But as, as much as it's important to say what a dominant second half that was by South Africa, I think it's really important to say that Japan need big games more often they they yeah. need to be playing these kind of games more often because they have the the talent the ability and heading towards the infrastructure to be able to become a a regular big player so, on the world
0: stage so there's an argument to say why not make the rugby championship a five team affair they're discussing it next week i think and and, um, and, think and you've got a, a similar a similar sort of competition to the six nations so rather than playing each team home and away as they do now, or they they changed that with the with Argentina coming in. You know, do they have to have both those Bledisloe games, or you know they could just do that as a you know an extra game as a, as a one-off, as well as the Rugby Championship game. That's fine. But you know, a five-team Rugby Championship, they're in the same hemisphere. They're they're basically in the same time zone as Australia and New Zealand anyway. So you know. I think it makes more sense for them to be in
1: the rugby championship than fucking Argentina or. Well, and it would make more sense for Argentina to be in the six nations because it's considerably closer for them. Well, I'm not not suggesting they do that.
0: I I would say it would make more sense for South Africa to be in the six nations because there's,
1: again, there's no time zone difference there either. And just have Australia, New Zealand and Japan playing amongst themselves.
2: It, it's all going to come down to money at the end of the day, and yeah. that is that is the advantage that the Japanese market has got, is that there's a lot of money floating around. I mean, they said that one of the props had donated £3 million to his old school. Well, uh, there's, there's probably not many props in England that can donate three £3 million. Uh, I,
0: w- I would say there's probably zero.
2: Yeah, so, you know, that that's a good sign. Um, you know, for, for all my enthusiasm for that South African performance, um, I was desperate for Japan to win because they've been... Brilliant in this tournament, um, you know. You have got players like Jimeno, the the number eight. I, you know, South yeah. Africa did a number on him, but throughout the tournament, he's been fantastic. Um, Shotahori,
1: the hook has been ace. Yeah, amazing um, hands on him.
2: I think. I think just against the real big sides, that the, they 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 didn't really have the um, ball carrying power in the backs. The, the the twelve is is a nice player, and he's he's a sort of almost like a Sam Hill type, you know, it's quite, quite low to the ground and and a good ball carrier. I think that's maybe why they put um, Leach and uh, Labashain on the on on the wings a lot, because it gives them a bit more bulk to stop them getting forced into touch. Um, So, so, you know, the more players that they get coming through, the the more that will change. Um but
1: the 13, I think, is a really good player. I can't remember is. his name. Yeah. Um, um but he but he needs a a, a Mike Tindall like player inside him, I think. Yeah,
2: I mean his offloads are fantastic, aren't they? But it, yeah, and and there was a sort of 15-minute burst where they played really well against South Africa. And I think if they had scored a try, then maybe South Africa's game plan might have been derailed a little bit because they'd have been behind. Um but you know i think the physicality really told in the end but you know that the japan have probably been the sort of ray of light for the tournament really um that them and and, and euro guys win so you you, you've got to say you know well done to them and 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 hopefully they get a a reward
1: there's a sansar meeting in tokyo on friday where apparently they're talking about reinstating the Wolves to Super Rugby and how can they incorporate Japan into Rugby Championships for next year. Um, but apparently, this is a rumour spread by Brett Gosper, who's the head of World Rugby, there could be a tug of war between whether Japan end up in the Six Nations or the Rugby Championships.
0: It's not going to happen. Japan will um, not end up in the Six Nations. It's the most ridiculous
2: uh, thing in the world. If, there's a, if there is a a tug of war, that, that's a good thing. Um, exactly. I mean, I noticed England are touring there next summer, which is, um, you know, a, a good start as well. Um, I don't know if that will be during the Olympics or one side of it, but... Um, I would imagine it would be July,
0: wouldn't it? Pre-Olympics. Yeah,
2: earlier, yeah. But, you know, when they came to Twickenham, you know, they gave England a real tough time for an hour.
0: And England got slated for that yeah. performance.
2: Uh, yeah, They beat... They, they didn't... I know Ireland aren't quite in the place that they have been, but it wasn't that they just snuck past Ireland. They outplayed them for an hour. Um, So you could comfortably probably put them ahead of, you know, some big names in that tournament. You'd say they're probably better than Scotland.
1: Um, Yeah, they're a solid top eight team the way they're at the moment.
2: It, you know, it depends what players they've got coming through, but apparently the seven side's pretty decent. So, you know, something's got to be done, and it sounds like it will be. But as, as we say, they've got a bit of cash to chuck around, so people will want them.
0: Right, cool. Let's um, let's move on to a bit of premiership action, shall we, briefly. I know, uh, Phil, you didn't get to see very much, if any at all. Um, sure. I watched the Bath-Bristol game on Friday night that was an excellent sort of opener to the premiership. Ben, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure you weren't um, of the same opinion.
2: No, it was awful. It, no, was, awful um, for, it was awful for Bath. Yeah. Bristol played really well. There was a sort of 20 minute period where they got a bit sloppy and gave away a few penalties and Bath came in into it a little bit. But Bristol just out, outperformed them in probably every area. Um, you know, Bath have been hit hard by absentees, but they're not the only ones, and no one else, I was, I'm aware of, was quite as inept as Bath were. Um,
0: how, how the hell did Zach Mercer stay on the pitch after that first minute? He looked like he was literally limping around the whole game.
2: Yeah, well, and... they had to Russ because there's there's no one creative in that fifteen other than Mercer. He's the only one that would you, you'd back to do anything other than run in a straight line. So if they'd have conceded a try in the first minute and taken their best player off, then yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. game over
2: game over, isn't it? So he had to stay on. Um, and he is, he's a really good player, but, and and I'm not saying that those other players in the Bath team are bad players, but they're all very meat and potatoes players, aren't they? You know, Max Clark is a good player, but he's an up and down center. Although he had a pig in that, in this game. Um, and Bristol have got a lot more stardust in their team. Um, you know Hughes was was really good. Um, Atwood had a good return. You know, not a return to Bath because it was at Bristol, but he played well. Um, but you know, their backs like to run. I thought Dan Thomas on the flank was really good. But they're, they're a they're a side that's built for a nice pitch in the first half of the season, aren't they? Um, you know, Thacker, those kind of players, and, and you know. Lloyd, uh, our friend in Bucharest, you know he was he was he's a Bristol fan and he was very pleased. And I said, "Well, we'll see what happens when you meet the Saracens meat grinder in January."
1: Oh yeah,
0: indeed, indeed. I mean, Bristol, like you say, they got to go. But Hughes was excellent, um, as was I thought Piers O'Connor. Uh, that that the back row of, of Lua Tua, um Thomas and. Hughes actually looks like it can do some real damage this season.
2: Uh, I yeah. like that Dan
0: Dan Thomas.
2: Yeah, he's a good player. Um, hope you know. I'd imagine you know if if they're paying him, and they've got the other two on the on the on the books, that he's they're probably paying him in I don't know pebbles or something. Um, yeah, but
0: uh, you never know. He might uh, he might have a wife that works in the kitchen yeah. or.
2: Um, but he's worth every penny, whatever, whatever, because you know he's he's a sort of he's a very good Premiership seven. Yeah. Um, you know they needed to beef up their pack a little bit. Well, that's what they've done with Atwood. John Foa played pretty well. Yeah. Um. So you know, I think, like you say, Bristol Brist- 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 have got to be t- talking about top six, haven't they? Yeah.
0: And they and they've got to they got to make hay in this period while all of the World Cup stars are away. Yeah. Because they they haven't got many to come back in. I think, you know, there may be a couple like they've obviously the Samoan boys, Piertel, um, and a couple of others. They, whereas a a lot of the teams are are, are struggling for, as they struggling are going to be expecting back some real sort of big names. So you can expect, you can expect Bristol to pick up some, um, some good results early in the season and, and put themselves in a decent position moving forward. um, some other results, I didn't see any of the other games, but some of the other results. Exeter put in a, a bit of a shift by the looks of things against Quinns. Uh, they came out on top 22-19. Uh, another clo- it looks they were pretty close games all round, really. Uh, Gloucester beat Sale 18-16. It's
2: a very um, good result, that.
0: It's a really good result. And I yeah. think Gloucester and Sale, again, Sale are going to have people to come back. They're going to be competitive, for for Gloucester, I think I, I genuinely think Gloucester can do some damage and, and potentially win it this year. Um, I think the I think Gloucester will be closer to uh, Exeter and Saracens than they were this year, and more for the point, I think that everybody will be a lot closer because I don't think Exeter um, they played a really young side on Saturday. Uh, the likes of Hendrickson and um, the uh, the young back row lad—I can't remember what his name is. Uh, oh, bollocks, his name escapes me. Um, but they they will not pull away like they did last year. Saracens are going to be missing a lot of their big players for a lot of the season. If you think, you know, by the time they get back and have had a rest there'll be a, maybe two or three rounds then it's europe as well and then it'll be six and before you know it it's six nations time again and i know the 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 um the season's going on till june but you know there there's going to be a lot of players missing for a lot of time so that's where i think that gloucester will will benefit the most
1: yeah i mean at, at the weekend they were missing Paledri and um what's his name south african second row uh,
2: mustad um,
1: muster but apart from that they're they're not that far off what would be a a first choice starting team so they're going to be able to to push on and make hay whilst the sun shines obviously I'm guessing Pledry um and Stuart Hogg for uh, for Exeter and the players that were now in the group stages will be back next week I would guess um Hogg was definitely he was definitely there at Exeter all um branded up uh so, yeah, um, I think they could really make a decent start now, Gloucester. Yeah, a, a lot
0: like Bristol. I mean, yeah. but people are expecting it a lot more about um, from, from but, Gloucester.
1: But you're right, with the, with the World Cup at the start and then Six Nations coming in afterwards, it could really shake this up a little bit. And those yeah. teams that, that don't make hay now could really struggle come the end of the season.
0: So, yeah. with that in mind then... Uh, day one of the premiership season at home Saracens lose 25 27 to to the Doug's beloved Northampton Saints. Um I would imagine he was he was jumping for joy as would have been Eddie. Um, and if you're listening Eddie let's uh, let's say hashtag Saracens suck and uh, yeah but that's fantastic
1: a, result for, that's a for pretty, Northampton. That's a pretty unrecognizable Saracen side Outside of back row and
0: nine ten. Um Yeah, I mean Sigan has, has has played a bit, but he's a lot been a lot in the um in the sevens and in the sort of the Saracen Storm side. Um Alex Good at ten, but like you say, Gallagher, um Nick Tompkins. Adam Pail,
1: yeah. Piflety, yeah.
0: They're not household names, are they? And you think no. of all the players that Saracens have got at, at the World Cup to come back in, you know. It could be another season for Saracens finishing fourth, scraping the playoffs, and then winning the winning the final.
2: Yeah, uh, I think if 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 it's going to be as e- equal as we think, then that almost plays into Saracen and Exeter's hands. If there was say two other sides that were going to beat everyone else, then then perhaps it it, it would be more of a danger to them. But I think. If everyone's going to beat each other, it's still going to be Saracens and Exeter that win the most games. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah,
2: yeah. Because um, they know
0: because they, they they're so used to getting over yeah. the line. Yeah, yeah.
2: If if Gloucester were going to beat everyone else in the league, then they could be ahead of them at some stage. But if if it's level pegging with all these games, because on paper all these squads look so similar. I mean, Irish you'd say maybe looked weaker, but they. One at Wasps. So you know, they've got off to a good start. Bristol's got off to a good start. You know, perhaps you your likes of Wasps and Bath might be the ones that are perhaps looking over their shoulder a little bit. And I think Irish will be down towards the bottom. But yeah, I, I still think odds are on an exeter Saracen's final. Yeah. Uh absolutely.
0: Um some uh the results, Worcester, uh won at home to Leicester. Oh, I mean, it's not um, it's not even a surprise that anymore either, is no. it? Worcester seem to beat Leicester regularly, and and Worcester always, you know, they tend to get decent results at home. So, you know, I I just think and it's going to be a, a, a very very tight season all the way around.
1: I kind of fear for Leicester a bit because they they struggled last season, and they will have lost a lot of players for the World Cup as well.
0: You know who I really who I really uh, fear for this season is wasps. I think wasps have lost a lot of players. I think, yes, they've got some some players. Yes, they've got Fekatoa and Sopawaga. Um but after watching a little bit of the game against London Irish yesterday, and you know again, you could you could say a lot for how well London Irish played and being back in the premiership and a bit of a, you know, new season bounce and stuff. Wasps, they just don't look like a team, <laughs> not that can compete, that's that's the wrong thing to say, but that can challenge. I just, you know, the, the, the days of Wasps being up there and challenging are, are long gone, unfortunately.
1: Well, who... And again, who who have wasps lost? Launchbury. Uh,
0: launchbury to the World Cup. Well, Daly's gone, hasn't he?
1: But but in terms of to the World Cup, because uh, Daly's not coming back to him.
0: No. So it'd be Launchbury. Not, not a lot. I can't even I can't even think. And when you put that in perspective, and you see then who they've got in their squad. I mean. Uh, Le Bourgeois, you know, as much as I love saying his name, he, he is fairly solid, but not in any way spectacular. Um, the only real, real shining light in that wasp side that I could see is Jack Willis, and you know, he is exceptional, he's really, really good. Um, and if they can, if they can keep hold of him. And and rebuild again, sort of around him. Then then they could be it could be okay. But you know, the Kibarigi scored a, a couple of tries um, from uh, from open play. But uh, again, they just don't seem they don't seem to have enough about them. And Sopperwanga and and Fekitel are going to have a, a really tough job on their hands.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Le- Leicester are really going to have to hang on until the World Cup guys get back, aren't they? Um, yeah. Look, looking at their team, uh, there's not many household names in there. Um, you know, but they have got four backs in the England squad, so that's going to liven that up a little bit. They've got um, Lavanini to come and play a few <laughs> yeah. halves before he gets sent off. <laughs> um, so, you know, they've got that. I mean, if you look at Worcester's uh, bat line, it, it, it's... It's a decent back line for a premiership team. You've got Mills and Beck in the centre. That's two good players. Yeah. Um, Humphreys Pe- has scored a lot of tries. Pennell's solid. Yeah. Uh, you've got Huhard at nine. We an international 10. So you have done well there. I mean.
1: <laughs> he, he is an international 10.
2: <laughs> he is. <yeah. laughs> he he has mean, been. Not, not current, but. Uh, <laughs> no, and then, no, I'm not necessarily for the best team. But, <laughs> no. But, you know. If, and then you've got player to watch is ted hill you know he scored against leicester again um so you know they're they're going to be hopeful this year as well so yeah there could be a few teams looking a bit worried
0: it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out over these early weeks of the season that's for certain because there's a lot of say second string teams that are that are going to be fighting it out and you know again it'll be it's going to be an intriguing season and i I genuinely think it will be the closest in both promotion and relegation promotion as in uh, playoffs and relegation that we've ever seen in the premiership. So uh, there you go. Um, we're nearly an hour and a half in first podcast, first podcast back. For, yeah, people have uh, probably missed
2: while. us. So, you know,
0: they probably have, it's fine. Yeah. You know, I don't care. Um, any other business? Have you got anything Ben this week that you want? I have,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, humble brag. I was on holiday. Last podcast uh-huh. um yeah and um we went to this uh like castle that was on a like a mountain and it had one of those switchback roads going all the way up is that uh... like a
0: castle on the hill yeah.
2: yeah
0: is that at the top like Palenza
2: top of Majorca? yeah oh, uh, no it was um it was Not towards
0: Port, the Port, Portmanteau or something like that.
2: No, it was um I've I've forgotten the name of it, but it, it, it was it was very impressive. But there was um what can only be described as several herds of cyclists, um, and the main bunch of them were all they had all the gear on, um, but they were riding their trip bikes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so this this mountain was obviously it's obviously i think it must be some kind of um stage on one of the tours because it had um when you got to the top it had like framed jerseys and stuff where did you Um, stay ben porter column okay was it san 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 sebastian or something like that um but yeah so so we, we were trying to sort of drive up but there were so many of it was obviously a club that was on tour there were so many of them you couldn't get past them and because they were electric they were just too fast to get past safely but slow enough to be annoying but the people i really felt sorry for were the real cyclists who were like laboring up this mountain and um these guys would just breeze past them with all the gear on um but just not really taking any effort and I, i did think if it was me i'd just get off my bike and start like knocking them over the edge um
0: it gets a bit hairy that those sort of windy back roads what i could call like a bomb chase road
2: it, it was exactly that yeah it, it like it was one of the ones where on top gear they'd have all sort of stopped and had a little sort of Ooh. group chass about it you know um <laughs> group chat yeah nice one. Uh, saint salvador it was called saint salvador i don't even uh, know where that is i'm not gonna yeah it. um yeah it was right on the sort of uh south east kind of corner um but yeah to, to be recommended unless there's a lot of cyclists about yeah cool
1: phil anything
2: for yeah. you?
1: a couple of things really quickly um on saturday i was at uh a dinner dance um sorted out by a friend of all of us here dan johns um in aid of tommy's the um uh the baby loss charity um a subject that's very dear to to my heart having lost a child in between our two. Um it was a fantastic evening and a big shout out to to Dan and for Jazz for for organizing it. Raised, I think, something like four and a half thousand pounds, which is fantastic. Um I did my bit for for raising money for charity without actually spending any by pushing up the prices in the auction. Um much yeah, good to lad. Lee Wood actually's disgust having paid hundred quid for a CJ Stander shirt that his missus had got in the first place. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, well, well done to the Johns. It was a, yeah, it was a great night. Um, second thing um, I've been listening to a few other podcasts and there seems what? to be what? a trend, of, not, not rugby based ones. Don't worry. Um, there seems to be a trend emerging of podcasts turning around and going, we know you like to listen to our podcast. Why don't you pay us for the privilege and donate some money so that we can keep making podcasts?
0: So with that in mind, please take a look at our Patreon.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, and I just think it's a bit cheap. Right, there's, there's massive companies out there. And if there are, if you are a big company with a multi-million pound turnover and you want to sponsor a rugby-based podcast, we'll have you. doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to be multi-million pounds. I was going to say,
2: even if your tin pot will take you. We'll
1: take some sponsorship from a company. That's not a problem. What we're not going to do is ask our, our listeners to give up with their hard-earned cash so that we can prattle about rugby for an hour or so.
0: Yeah, um, that, I do I And, do and I've taken that. that
1: decision unanimously.
0: Yeah, I do I do find that a little bit odd. <laughs> I mean, you know, if if you're asking people to pay for what is essentially a hobby – I don't, it just, it doesn't sit very well. Um, I take it those those podcasts that you're referring to, and I don't, you know, you can name and shame them if you want. I doubt they're listening. But, um, you know, are they people that are, are just like us or are they like uh, professional it, people and do it as, it. it as their job? Because I think if it's their job and that's what they're doing is full-time and they're producing full-time content for, you know, for their work and they're trying to make it, then I kind of get it.
1: But for for us, they're invariably comedians, but they're also comedians who have kind of every 10 minutes, they'll have a break in the middle of their podcast so that some company can do an advert. And it's invariably a mattress company or a razor company that seem to want to sponsor everybody or, or a beer delivery company. Um, It's just the same group of sponsors around every podcast, but (laughs) I think it's probably a source of their income, but yeah. equally, to me, that's not that's not the business model. Um, no, no, I get it. Like, I think getting people to pay for media um, shouldn't really be the right business model. Getting companies to pay for media should.
0: Yeah, it's is, it's sponsorship rather than dedicated listener. You know. Yeah,
1: you're not going it's, it's, to the cinema to listen no. to us.
0: There's so much there's so much content out there for literally every bit of perusal. You if you want a podcast on I don't know, opening an envelope, you could probably <laughs> find one. You know? Yeah. There are there are literally podcasts and blogs and vlogs and shit for every single subject you can imagine.
1: Japanese um, micro gardening techniques. Probably. It just the,
2: lo- the long bonsai.
0: The long bonsai. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, just look at me. I'm involved in at least three podcasts. It's an embarrassment, quite frankly. <laughs> at least
2: three. Oh, I, um, <laughs> I, uh, I listened to uh, one of the later episodes of um, my dad wrote a porno at the airport oh, on yeah. my headphones. And um, I, it was fed back to me that I looked like a lunatic. And,
1: and what did, and what did <laughs> your laughing. girlfriend think if yeah. you sat there just listening to a podcast when you could have been conversing with her? It
2: was, it was late. So trying to keep awake <laughs> so uh, with that with that in mind
1: spare
0: <laughs> with that in mind i'm going to give a, a podcast recommendation for uh for my any other business um for those of you that have you heard of the geordie comedian chris ramsey yeah. he's on strictly at the moment he does a podcast of his wife called it's called shagged married annoyed and they just they discuss things about their life week on week and they have a section called what's your beef where him and his missus they go at each other for a couple of minutes each week with something that's irritating them about each other, and it, it's really really funny because they're um incredibly honest, um or or they've just suckered me in with their clever wit and and form, um but yeah go and check it out if you like a podcast um and you're looking for something that's light hearted and want to have a little uh have a little giggle to yourself then then have a listen to that one
2: can i um uh, can i recommend as well um we have ways which is um al murray the pub landlord and historian james holland it's a it's a world war ii podcast but it's, it's very good for anyone that's that way inclined
0: cool i'll check it out i've, I've also started listening to i got recommended a couple of um sort of nfl based crime podcasts we all know the, <laughs> the the NFL is is renowned for its crime, but um, there's a podcast about the the uh, former Carolina Panthers wide receiver Ray Carruth, who was accused and convicted of plotting to kill his girlfriend and unborn child, um, and also Aaron Hernandez, the New England Patriots um, tight end. And I don't know anything about the story, but I'm going to listen to the podcast um apparently it's quite a quite a big thing so
1: well i'm not going to recommend a podcast because i generally get bored of them all after about 10 weeks apart from the one the one which i haven't deleted which is work related is the bbc farming today podcast which is dollars dishwater
0: which is the more over podcast uh the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news views and opinion on weekend's rugby action
2: did um did you know there's a tinder for cows yeah tada i
1: know the man who's invented it A
0: Tinder for cows fuck yeah. me on that note I'm gonna stop this because it's just ridiculous <laughs> you've got Ben you've gone delirious <laughs> and uh, and I've stopped listening would it be terribly rude for me to stop listening to you now
2: there's, there's an udder on my leg
0: <laughs> unbelievable go well